Okay, so readings from Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. That's on page 1179, the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'll put my glasses on and then I can see you. There you go. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this opportunity to worship you, to come and hear what you've got to say to us tonight. So, Lord, I pray you'd give us hearts wide open to you. Ears that recognize the voice of our loving Heavenly Father whispering to us. So we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, the more you look, the more you see. Uh, it's true in so many different areas. I think it's true uh, in music, uh, if you think that you're looking with your ears. Slightly strange uh, thing, but the more you, you sort of delve into it, the more you get. It's true in literature, for sure. Uh, true with art, science, theology. The more time you spend the more you see, the deeper you go. And it's definitely true with Jesus too. Um, we've spent several months, David just prayed, uh, I can't remember when we actually started this, it's quite a long time ago because it's quite a lot of chapters, but we've spent many Sundays going through this really brilliant book uh, that I've really enjoyed, uh, Amazed by Jesus, still available at the Triangle, I do believe. Um, but today, uh, we finished last week, we had the last session with Beth last week, Really worth catching up on Beth's talk if you missed it. But we felt, and particularly Yo, as we were praying about this new term and a new series, we really felt it was important not to rush on immediately at the end of the book, but to spend this week pausing a little just to reflect back on the journey that we've had through this book and what the Lord has been saying to us over the weeks. Now, I spend an awful lot of time in church, um, and I have to be honest with you, um, so please don't judge me, but sometimes, on some occasions, uh, even uh, before I get to, the, to drink my coffee at the back of church at the end of the service, I have forgotten what the sermon was actually about. I won't ask you to put your hand up if you're the same, <laughs> uh, but I'm confessing. Uh, sometimes, I just don't remember 
And James, in the book of James, it tells us not to be hearers only of the word, but to act on it. So I know that isn't a good thing. That actually, when we hear talks like this and others, uh, we should be impacted in some way. It should make some difference to our lives. Our take-home, our take-away should be something, shouldn't it? Um, I do believe that's true, and I feel challenged. I'm challenging myself when I say that. Uh, because we're spending time listening to God together. We're in his word. And so what we have done over the past weeks is of value, and it's worth reflecting on, isn't it? We've been through It's a really good book, once again, available at Triangle. Um, and it's really given us some really good things to think about, and it's shone a light on Jesus in a really special way. So we want to think about that, spend a bit of time just reflecting. Now... Uh, it's good to stop. Um, and I don't know whether you have much time in your lives to stop. <laughs> um, sometimes I think, and I work for a church, but my life is so busy, I feel I haven't got time to think sometimes to actually remember um, what's gone on. So we're going to do stop right now, here this evening. So I'm going to get you thinking. Now I have a feeling that, did Catherine, did we hand these out at the door? We did. Catherine's so good, isn't she? Um, so grab hold of this paper. Don't be scared by this bit of paper. It looks a bit like a test or a survey. It's neither. Um, and hopefully you've got a pen. Now, sometimes we, um, we try different ways of getting us to think and reflect in church. We're just going to do this for a few minutes. And this is your bit of paper. You'll take it home. You can burn it. You can use it to wedge open a door. Um, so whatever you write is just between you and God. So don't feel um, worried about how you respond on this bit of paper. But I want you to do a few things now. And if this is new to you, if you're visiting this evening, you're not, um, not usually here at, at St. Peter's, don't worry. You can kind of answer these questions um, in, your, in your own way with your own experience. But the first thing where it says before, number one, there's a grid and it goes from naught to ten. You see, I'm getting quite technical here. Um, Naught to ten. Now, naught would be... Uh, no, so I'll give you the question first, and then the, the, the scale will make sense. See, I'm not very good at this. So uh, how would you rate your knowledge or experience, or both, of Jesus before we started this series, Amazed by Jesus? So if you can try and remember back, and this is not a beat-yourself-up kind of survey. This is just an honest reflection. Just have a little think. Just be quiet for a moment. This is just between you and God. Where do you think you rated between naught and ten? Naught being no knowledge, no experience, and ten being that you're a member of the Trinity. <laughs> so if you're ten, you're wrong. I'll just say you can't get ten. So, so just have a think for a moment. Just be quiet and just, just honest reflection. This before we started, where, did you, where would you place yourself between naught and ten? And then the second one follows that, and it might be the same. You might have even gone down in number. It's good to be honest. Hopefully not, though. Um, or you may have gone up a little bit. But where do you think you are now after spending quite a few weeks in this book looking at different aspects of Jesus? Where would you rate yourself? And I'm not going to see, so again, you can be completely honest. This is just for you. Has it made any difference, do you think? So just give a little tick in one of those boxes. Maybe you'll put a number... And then the third question, just a little bit more time to think about this one, is 
if you cast your mind back, and you might need to say a prayer if your memory is as bad as mine, just to think, if there's anything throughout these weeks, any particular topic, any particular talk, which has either stood out to you, it's impacted you, it's touched your heart, or it might even be that there was just a one-liner in a talk that impacted you. Is there anything you remember? If you remember it, chances are it impacted you in some way. So just have a little think back. Is there anything that has impacted you? Anything about who Jesus is, how you see him, how you know him? Maybe even what you felt as you looked more closely at Jesus. I'll just give you a moment to think about that. You can carry on um, scribbling if you want to, but we're going to move on. We're going to come back to those bits of paper at the end, so you can put them on the floor if you want to. So when we started this series, the reason this book shone out and made us want to spend some time in it was that we felt it brought a challenge to us that there was always more to know and more to experience with Jesus for all of us, no matter how long or short we'd been a Christian. And one of the quotes that I think we used in the first week was from Gypsy Smith, who was a British evangelist uh, in 1860, said this about his faith. He said, I have never lost the wonder of it all. It's quite a challenging quote, I think, because it makes me ask myself, and I'd love you to reflect, have you lost the wonder of it all, of knowing Jesus? Do you still feel awe and wonder? We asked the question right at the beginning. Ask it again now. Do we live in awe of Jesus and his incredible love for us? Looking more and more at Jesus, as I said earlier, should blow our minds because it just takes us deeper. We see more and more layers, more and more beauty, and our hearts should be moved deeply as a result. Simon Ponsonby, again, at the beginning of the book, really challenging, makes this statement. He says, a mild interest about Jesus shows that you've not met him. Jesus is amazing. In other words, we should be moved by looking more closely at Jesus. So over the weeks, we've looked at, at, at him from many different angles, like uh, looking at the facets of a diamond. Same thing, but just slightly different angle, different level of beauty. And incidentally, if you've missed any of the talks uh, and you want to catch up or you want to go back and just see if you missed any that catch your eye, uh, they're all on our website on podcasts, so you can listen with your ear things, or you can watch on YouTube if you want to. Um, or you can even get the book. It's still available at the Triangle. Um, I'm on commission. Uh, so what do we do with all that we've learned over these weeks? Well, um, I, w- I was praying about this. We were on holiday a couple of weeks ago, and I was really praying, Lord, what, what, what's my reflection for us? Where does it, where does it leave us as we've um, been on quite a journey? And the reading today, Philippians 2, uh, really came to mind quite strongly as being a reading that helped us to uh, 
respond to all that we've heard, all that we've read. It's a striking hymn. It's a great passage in Philippians 2, one of my favourite Bible readings, and it describes the lordship of Jesus. The theologian Abraham Cooper writes, he said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's not just an honorary, nice title that we give him. This is a title that has within it power and authority. It means he is God, God Almighty. Jesus Christ is Lord. In the Old Testament, uh, the name for God was Yahweh, and committed Jews really didn't like using that name on their lips. They felt their unclean lips would defile it somehow, and so they chose to use another word, another Hebrew word, to uh, describe uh, and address God, and that was Adonai, again meaning Lord, but perhaps slightly less holy. And then when the, new, uh, the Hebrew Old Testament was later translated into Greek, Adonai was then translated, he, Adonai in Hebrew, Hebrew word was translated into the Greek word Kyrios, which can be used in different ways. But when it's used with Jesus, once again, it's to mean God. It's to mean Lord. And in fact, they gave that name, Kyrios, Lord, to Jesus over 700 times throughout the New Testament alone. And Simon said earlier on, it's only got 250 pages. So uh, that's quite a lot um, of emphasis that Jesus isn't just a nice guy, wasn't just a great teacher. He was Lord, he was God. And so lordship is inseparable from the name of Jesus. And Jesus Christ is Lord over all. He's Lord over creation. He's Lord over sickness. We see, we know the stories of how he healed the sick on so many occasions as they came to him. He's Lord over the demonic. He's Lord over the spiritual. Lord over sin. Lord over history. Uh, the historian H.G. Wells wrote, is it any wonder that to this day, this Galilean is too much for our small hearts? I love that. He's Lord over death. The resurrection, of course, shouts about his divinity with such power still echoing through the centuries. And when Thomas doubted that the resurrection had happened, as many do, when he looked with his eyes and saw the risen Jesus with his own sight standing in front of him, he bowed the knee. That was his response. It was all he could do, worshipping and declaring, my Lord, my God. The amazing Jesus is Lord over all. But of course, his lordship has always invited struggle too. Something with such power and authority. It makes sense, doesn't it, that it would be uh, opposed and uh, throughout the Bible, we see the enemy, the devil, just desiring to take that power, to grab it for himself, uh, because it's so desirable. Right at the beginning of the Bible, the serpent, Adam and Eve, in Genesis, trying to take that, that worship away from God, right through to Jesus' death and all the circumstances around that and beyond. The emperor Nero called himself the Lord of the whole earth, trying to steal a title. Uh, and because as Christians wouldn't bow down and worship him and give him that title, he murdered them. People trying to cl claim that glory. And this struggle has continued throughout time. His lordship is still one of the most contentious truths um, in history, and today still can cause great offence. 
You may remember the, uh, the, the, the news in February 2015 how ISIS beheaded 50, uh, 21 migrant workers. Do you remember that? They were Coptic Christians. Um, they were given the opportunity, as I think happens in so many of these cases, to, to give up Jesus, give up God as we know him, and turn to Islam and to be spared. But they refused. They wouldn't worship any other God other than the true living God and Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's so admirable, isn't it? You can't help but sort of reflect and think, what would I do if someone was holding a sharp implement to end my life in a brutal fashion? Would I bow the knee to them? It's a challenging question. And Simon Ponsonby recalls in the book, he said, on their knees, moments before their heads were severed, they prayed, Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2 declares that every knee will bow before Jesus as Lord. Every person who has ever lived and will ever live will bow their knees before him. They'll recognize him as Lord eventually. And as Christians, of course, those of us who know him in this way already, our total allegiance should be to Jesus Christ as Lord. If he's our Lord, it means he's our king, he's our master, he's our head, he's our He's the guy, <laughs> the man, that's what they say. He's, he's Lord. He has all power over our lives and every aspect of our lives. And yet, if we're honest, many of us, and this is certainly true for me, we want Jesus Christ as saviour, but sometimes allowing him to be Lord of our whole life, or even any of it sometimes, can be much harder because we don't want to relinquish control over to him. I remember uh, a few years after I became a Christian, I went through a little bit of a, a, a challenging um, spot in life. I won't bore you with the details, but it was a hard time. I was disappointed. I was angry um, and hurt with God. Uh, life wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. And my, my foolishness, and um, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I, 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 my heart grew cold towards God, and I still believed in Jesus, but I just decided, I can remember actively choosing that I wasn't going to give him control over my life anymore. I, I took away the lordship aspect of my relationship with him, and my heart wasn't right, and soon my life choices started to go in that direction as well. I lost sight of his love and his sacrifice, how much he'd done for me, and instead I put myself back on the throne in my life as number one, so I could do whatever I wanted. I was choosing not to bow the knee. So we can choose. It's still up to us at any point, any minute of any day, we can choose whether we give him that authority in our lives, even though I still believed in him. He wasn't my Lord. But Jesus Christ wants to be not only our saviour, but also our Lord. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And that's the transaction, if you like, at the beginning of our relationship with God. And if you've never done that, I just encourage you to find out more about it, to declare that you believe in him, that you accept what he's done for you. Um, that confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart, Jesus Christ is Lord, means we're saved. We become children of God, and that's amazing. But that's the transaction at the beginning, and the rest is, is yet to follow. It's a bit like a wedding. The wedding itself is just the day that the marriage starts. You've got a whole lifetime afterwards to live. So you've got the transaction at the beginning. I can't actually see who's smirking at me when I mentioned about marriage. Um, you've got the transaction at the beginning of a journey with God, salvation. 
but then the transformation of the journey must follow also. And that's where we have to bow the knee. And you see that in Philippians 2. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. That's salvation and lordship. As we live out life having Jesus Christ as Lord for us in our small way. We surrender to him, maybe gradually, but the more submitted we are, the more we give to him, and make him Lord over in our lives, the more our tra transformed our lives will be. And that's a journey. I know I've left, I've departed, I certainly haven't arrived, and I might bob up and down in the middle, but it's my aspiration to make him more and more Lord of my whole life. To steal an analogy from the Bible, it's like our life has many rooms, like our life is a house with many rooms. And when we come to Jesus in that first meeting, we give him a big bunch of keys, and we say, here you go, have my life. But often what we've done is keep a few keys back to ourselves, um, or maybe many, maybe most of them. And in some areas, we can really struggle to surrender that key over to God and say, to Jesus and say, here you go, be Lord of this particular area of my life. And this is different for all of us. But if you just think of the whole breadth of your life, we're made up of so many different aspects. And so everyone is a little room, I would imagine. That's sort of a picture in my mind. So maybe it's in the area of our money, our, or our relationships, or our pride, or ambition. It could be our life online. It could be our careers. It could be our families, our future, our sex lives, our bodies, our spending habits, our politics, our marital status, our desires and dreams. It could be anything, anything where you've got the key. There was once a man who came to Jesus um, and um, he came to follow him and, uh, and said, I want to follow you. And, and it was rather Jesus said to him, follow me. And the man replied to Jesus, yes, but first let me go and bury my father. Do you remember that? Well-known thing in the Bible. But so often we do the same. We put other things first ahead of him. We just say, I, I, yes, I want to give you this area of my life, but first let me just go and do this, or but first I, I need to do this, or, you know, this, that, the other. He wants the keys to all the rooms. And although um, Jesus is Lord, the wonderful thing is that he will never take that key from you. We have to choose to give it to him. He never forces his way in. We have to choose to give him full rule and reign in our lives. Um, I became a Christian when I was a, a university student. I've shared that many times um, back in the 90s. Gosh, I can't believe I was alive in the 90s. Um, and uh, not long after I'd been a Christian, um, I was at my university, Keele. It was a campus university. And a band called Iona came to play at the student union. I was just chatting to Yo and Curtis about this the other day. Uh, I don't think either of them had ever heard of the band because they're not that old. Um, but um, I didn't really know the band very well at the time, so I didn't get a ticket, I didn't go, and they were playing in the ballroom. But on the evening that they were playing, I was walking through the central square in, in the campus where the ballroom is sort of positioned a little bit above, um, and I could hear one of their songs pulsing out through, sort of just came through the airwaves, and there was no one else in this square. I can remember it was kind of one of those weird moments where you think you're the only person alive. Um, but the words of the song, it was, uh, they were a Christian band, and they were doing their own version of the old hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And um, it was a new, I didn't really know that song very well because I hadn't been a Christian for very long. And as I stood in that square, the words just seemed to 
come alive. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. And actually, the impact of the words of that song, it just made me look at Jesus and realize um, all that he'd done for me. But then the, the last two lines were the ones that really stuck, very famous lines. I just couldn't stop thinking about them. It's the lines that say, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I just realized that Jesus wasn't forcing me to bow the knee, but he was calling me. He was showing me himself, his love for me, all that he'd done for me. His love poured out for me. And when I saw that, when I realized, when it's sort of like the penny really dropped in a new way, and seeing the enormity of his love for me, my heart was drawn. It was compelled. There was nothing else I wanted to do other than to give him myself, give him the bunch of keys. I think in perhaps the most profound way I've ever done in my Christian journey at that moment, I kind of got it, lordship. And it wasn't through force, it was a response to his love. Choosing him as Lord. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. There really is no other name like the name of Jesus. It's the name of love. He is the Lord of love. And the more we look at him, the Lord of love, the more we will see and the more we will want to surrender to his lordship in response and be transformed by him. Challenging stuff. Um, earlier on, I asked you if you'd had a memorable moment uh, throughout this series. Um, and um, I think my most memorable story from the, uh, the book is actually right at the end, um, in the last bit. And um, last week, Beth told us about uh, a, a painting by Holman Hunt that is very famous. Um, could we have that up, do you think? The, there you go. Uh, it's in... Um, St. Paul's Cathedral, Holman Hunt painted this uh, painting, and, and it's based on um, Revelation 3.20 that Beth read uh, last week. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they, will me, with, they with me. And what it shows, um, it's a bit small, so you can't really see it, but it shows Jesus standing in a tangled garden outside a door, and the door represents the door to each of our lives. And very famously, the handle of the door is missing in the painting on Jesus' side because it's representing that only the individual can open the door to their life to let Jesus in. And Simon Ponsonby describes how um, years after that painting was first hung in St. Paul's Cathedral, it was his second version of the painting, it had to be taken down to be cleaned because it had got a bit grimy. And the restorer had a rare chance to see even more in the painting um, than anyone had previously known. Because when he removed the frame and the moulding, hidden and intended, most likely, to be seen only by the Lord, a, a prayer from Holman Hunt to the Lord, he had inscribed in the, in the corner, Forgive me, Lord Jesus, that I kept you waiting so long. And that really moved me because I think what I saw there was, was a God standing outside the door of our life. Jesus there with such grace, such patience, such love. 
waiting, yes, for that moment when we first open the door and let him in, and that's wonderful. But subsequently, how long does he wait outside the door of our lives for us to open the other doors and let him into the fullness of our lives? Loving us and longing us to welcome him in so that he can just come and be, bring us more to life, give us more freedom, more joy, transform us more into his likeness as he comes and takes full residence as Lord. So as we finish, grab your paper again. I'm going to treat you in a moment so you get to hear the 1990s classic of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's lovely, actually. Um, I want you to do, use this as you, as you will, if it helps you. Um, the last question there, um, well, it's not a question, where it says the, the words of the, um, the last bit of that hymn. As we listen... Just use it as a time to pray or to doodle or to close your eyes, whatever helps you most. And bring your own response to the Lord. Seeing his love for you, listening to the words of the song, when I survey the wondrous cross, maybe you'll be called to give him some more keys to your life. Maybe you want to be specific about what you want to hand over to unlock any areas of your life that you've kept snuck away or maybe if that's really hard for you and you think actually there is stuff but I just can't surrender it if I'm honest I could pray but it's not, I don't really mean it maybe you can pray and ask him to help you to surrender it once again remember he doesn't demand that we open the doors he's not forcing the doors open but the more we look at the fullness of who he is and how amazing he is Surely our hearts can only respond in one way, by giving him our life, our soul, and our all. So let's spend some time bringing our own prayers of surrender to Jesus Christ, our Lord.